bringing you the latest in tax credit news. This is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratik. Hello, I'm Michael Novogratik, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, September 8th, 2020. I hope that you and your family are safe and well and had an enjoyable and relaxing Labor Day weekend. We have a great episode for you this week, starting with an important update on the primary race results of longtime community development tax credit champion, Representative Richard Nill. I'll then dive into one of the news headlines from last week, an announcement from the CDC that temporarily halts residential evictions through December 31st. I'll talk about what protections the CDC order provides and ways in which some housing advocates say more could be done to protect vulnerable households. I'll then briefly discuss a U.S. tax court ruling about the right of first refusal for a low-income housing tax credit property. After that, I'll preview a special report that Novogratik will soon release about the upcoming presidential election and how the results of the election could affect affordable housing, community development, renewable energy, and historic preservation policy. If you're ready, let's get started. First, I do want to start today's podcast by congratulating House Ways and Means Committee Chairman Richard Neal on winning the Democratic primary in his state of Massachusetts. Now, in the general election in November, he has no Republican opponent, which means it's extremely likely he'll return as chairman for the next Congress. Chairman Neal is a longtime supporter of the New Marcus Tax Credit, the Long Compensing Tax Credit, and other community development tax incentives. This is important for the community development world. As chairman of the Tax Writing Committee in the House, he has great influence over when and how tax bills get considered by his committee. Chairman Neal has also been a keynote speaker at several Novogratik New Markets Tax Credit conferences. Most recently, he spoke at our Novogratik 2020 New Markets Tax Credits virtual conference on July 23rd. At our conference, Chairman Neal discussed the future of the New Markets Tax Credit, which is scheduled to expire at the end of this year. Chairman Neal vowed to push for a new Marcus tax credit extension this year. We will discuss the prospects of a permanent new Marcus tax credit at our next new Marcus tax credit virtual conference being held on October 29th and the 30th. I'll tweet the registration link. As you may have heard by now, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, or CDC, last Tuesday issued a temporary eviction moratorium for residential housing until December 31st. The temporary halt on tenant evictions is meant to help prevent the further spread of COVID-19. Unlike the eviction moratorium under the CARES Act that was enacted in March, this CDC order is not limited to properties with federal backing. That said, the CDC order does not apply to jurisdictions with an eviction moratorium that provides the same or greater level of public health protection. Under the CDC order, landlords may not evict any covered person for non-payment of rent. I'll say that again. Landlords may not evict any covered person for non-payment of rent. Now, a covered person under the order includes single taxpayers with gross incomes of no more than $99,000 or joint filers with gross incomes no more than $198,000. These were the same income thresholds for the CARES Act, economic impact payments. Now, in fact, under the order, if a taxpayer received a CARES Act economic impact payment, then that individual is considered a covered person under the CDC order. Now, to invoke protection under the CDC order, tenants must prepare a document declaring that they qualify as covered by the order. 
tenants make the declaration under the penalty of perjury. And there are also potential criminal penalties for landlords who violate the order. So that is a summary of protections offered under the CDC order. But just as important to note is what the order does not do. The order does not prevent evictions for reasons other than not paying rent. The order also does not relieve any obligation to pay rent or to comply with any obligation under the lease. The order also does not prevent landlords from charging or collecting fees, penalties, or interest as a result of the failure to pay rent. Some housing providers and housing advocates have expressed concern that the CDE order doesn't provide any rental assistance, and without providing any rental assistance, they'll ultimately harm the people the order aims to help. The Real Estate Coalition, that represents for-profit and non-profit housing providers, last week sent a letter to House and Senate leaders urging them to provide stable and dedicated rental and unemployment assistance to prevent a potentially imminent housing crisis. And House Financial Services Committee Chairwoman Maxine Waters expressed similar concerns in a statement last week. Chairwoman Waters called for emergency rental assistance to help families that may have, may have to repay many months of accrued back rent in one lump sum. Chairwoman Waters said that the order only delays evictions, doesn't prevent them. The chairwoman said that the $100 billion in emergency rental assistance funding included in the Democrats' HEROES Act would provide the critical relief that families need. Now, you can read more about the CDC order, and I encourage you to do so, in a notes from a blog post that my colleague, Mark Shelburne, wrote. I'll include the link to the blog post in today's show notes, and I'll tweet it out as well. Now, let's move to right of first refusals. A U.S. District Court in New York recently issued a ruling that's going to be of interest to many low-income housing tax credit property owners, managers, and investors. The court ruled that the right of first refusal granted to a nonprofit under Section 42I7 does not require the low-income housing tax credit partnership to sell the property at the end of the 15-year tax credit compliance period. The court concluded that the right of first refusal in the agreement operates by the New York common law definition of the term right of first refusal. This case involved a partnership that had entered into a right of first refusal agreement with a nonprofit in the year 1999. The nonprofit contended that there were no conditions precedent to it exercising its ROFR. In short, the nonprofit contended that the agreement, the ROFR, operated as if it were an option to purchase the property, such that the ROFR required the partnership to sell the property to the nonprofit after the end of the 15 year compliance period. Now, the limited partner was not willing to consent to the partnership selling the property, hence the dispute. The limited partner said that the right of first refusal comes into play only if a third party makes a bona fide offer to purchase the local and attachment property and the partnership is willing to sell. In this case, the property was not for sale and no offer was received. The court sided with the limited partner. The court ruling said, that what was granted in the 1999 agreement was, and I quote, a right of first refusal, not an option, end quote. Therefore, the partnership cannot be compelled to sell to the nonprofit under the current conditions. And we have posted the ruling on our website, and we will link to it in our show notes. In other news, I want to follow up on something I mentioned a few weeks ago. Novogratik is working on a special report about what you could expect if Democrats retain control of the House and win back control of the White House and Senate in November. Now, we're not saying that's going to happen, 
But the report is going to examine the implications for community development, affordable housing, renewable energy, and historic preservation, tax appropriations regulatory policy, if Democrats do sweep the election. This report will include a discussion of what tax credit incentives could be expanded or extended. And the report's also going to look at some proposed tax incentives that would stand a greater chance of becoming law if Democrats controlled Congress and the White House. In the report, we'll also take a look at 10 toss-up Senate races and what the Democratic candidates have said about taxes. Now, if pundits are correct on the other races, then Democrats would need to win six of these 10 races to get to a tie of 50 members in the Senate. Republicans hold eight of the 10 seats in the toss-up races. That does involve some of them flipping from Republican to Democrat. Now, in the case of ties in the Senate, the vice president casts the tie-breaking vote. And of course, if Joe Biden wins the presidency, all ties would be broken by Vice President Kamala Harris. Now, it's still eight weeks until Election Day, but this report is a good look into what might happen in 2021 and beyond and who the key players would be. We expect to release our special report later this month before our historic tax credit virtual conference that's being held September 24th and 25th. The report will be free to clients and a small charge to non-clients. I'll keep you updated on the progress of the report and its release. Well, that brings me to the end of this week's report. I'll close with a reminder that we do have a fantastic schedule of Novogratic events coming up this fall. All of these events are detailed online on the Novogratic events page, so there's no need to memorize the dates. But I do want to preview them so you can start filling in your events calendar. Coming up first, coming up next, is the Novogratic Historic Tax Credit Virtual Conference, September 24th and 25th. Then after that, we'll have three virtual conferences in October. Starting with housing, the Credit and Bond Financing for Affordable Housing Conference is October 1st and 2nd. Then Opportunity Zones, we have the Opportunity Zones Fall Conference on October 22nd and 23rd. And then we have the New Markets Tax Credit Fall Conference, October 29th and 30th. Now on October 5th and 6th, we're going to have our Financing Renewable Energy Tax Credits Fall Conference. And then we'll close out our fall calendar with our Tax Credit Housing Finance Conference, December 3rd and 4th. Again, all of these dates are on the Novogratic events page, along with registration information. Just go to www.novoco.com events. And that's it for now. I'm Michael Novogratic. Thanks for listening. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratic and Company, LLP. Archived podcasts are available online at www.novoco.com forward slash podcast or by subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast in iTunes. You can find related links referenced in this podcast in our show notes at www.novoco.com forward slash podcast. Novogratic and Company LLP is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www.novoco.com.